0: Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookend brought to you by Explore Booksellers, Aspen, Colorado's trusted community bookstore. Wherever you are in the world, it is always good to explore. My guest today is Laura Williams. Her new book is The Odyssey, which is published by our friends at Zendo Projects. Laura, welcome to the program.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: It is an honor to have you here. And uh, before we start, Laura, I'm going to go ahead and tell our listeners that this book is fantastic. Pick it up right now. Undoubtedly, one of the best books of the year. Not only is the story uh, wonderful and engaging, but the quality of writing is top notch. And you want to pick this book up straight away. Trust me on that. Uh, But Laura... The first question that I have for you is one that I'm certain you must be asked uh, in every single interview about this book so I apologize in advance, but I have to ask um, why title your book The Odyssey, it takes a certain amount of uh, gusto to go with that title and now that I've read the book I have to say you've earned it, but why The Odyssey Laura.
1: Um, well, origin- the original title was not the Odyssey. Um, the uh-huh. original title was um, Thalassophobia which means um, fear of the sea. Um, uh-huh. And um, that was thought to be a bit obscure for a title <laughs> and didn't uh-huh. really tell the readers very much about what was happening. Um, uh-huh. So when we were rethinking um, the title, I'd, I'd named the uh, main character who in, this, in the final iteration is called Ingrid, but she was originally uh-huh. called Circe um, because I wanted uh-huh. there to be a kind of quiet nod to the odyssey because it is set on a boat and it's a journey uh, voyage back home um mm. story um so it was a very kind of residual bits of um of, of the odyssey within the book and then it was it was my editor who came up with the title when we were going through a million different title ideas um and and i think the sort of journey back home um became more um important to the story um as I as I redrafted it and as I was editing it um so yeah that, that's why it's called The Odyssey and um, I, I I changed um the name to Ingrid because I felt so it didn't quite work um like phonetically it was just too sort of soft and I wanted it I wanted her name to sort of sound awkward and brittle um so yeah
0: excellent well thank you so much uh when I write my first book I'm going to name it like The Divine Comedy or something like that um <laughs> Your book opens up with sort of a a Zen koan, and I'm going to repeat it here. Uh, What, Laura, is wabi-sabi?
1: So um, wabi-sabi is the Japanese aesthetic tradition, um, which sort of uh, celebrates um, transience. And so it's based around a principle of um, everything is going into or coming out of nothingness. Mm -hmm. Um, So... um, that was um, it, And it forms the um, ethos uh, that the kind of cult-like cruise ship is structured around.
0: Mm. Yeah, excellent. Um, speaking of a cruise ship, Laura, your book opens in a gift shop on a cruise ship. Um, and this gift shop has all kinds of artisanal chocolates and trinkets and other assorted goods. A customer of this gift shop comments to her husband upon visiting the shop, honey, isn't this great? We can buy all of our gifts here without leaving the ship. Um, And my question, Laura, is what kind of people frequent these shops? What kind of people buy all of their gifts there?
1: Um, So the first idea for the novel, um, I knew I wanted to set the novel on a cruise ship. And my first idea was that um, uh, it was sort of kind of, I was leaning into it as a piece of speculative fiction a little bit more. um, And I was thinking about um, Coastal erosion had happened to the point that there were no kind of habitable beaches; there were just sea walls, mm. and so um, cruise ships became kind of the de facto luxury cruise. Uh, I was also imagining um, a kind of um, a, a, a kind of more pronounced wealth gap in which um, these kind of Wealthy people are just spending their entire lives kind of slowly rotting aboard um, these cruise ships that are just forever circling the globe. Um, And the WA, the cruise ship the Odyssey is set on, is is kind of one of the biggest, if not the biggest. Um, So these people are kind of in various states of kind of rot and inertia, um, Mm -hmm. and um, they're just aboard this cruise receiving all of the spoils of the cruise um, and of the customer service and um, not particularly interested in leaving it. Um, So the gift shop is kind of the place they do their shopping.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And Laura, I have been describing this book as I'm talking about it to our staff here at at Quill Books as I'm reading it. I've been describing it as a mix between Um, David Foster Wallace is a supposedly fun thing. I will never do again. The essay, not the book, uh, about, about a cruise ship and a Scientology narrative. Uh, how would you describe your book to our listeners?
1: Well, I was absolutely thinking of the David Foster Wallace essay, um, when I, um, when I wrote the book, um, I I knew I wanted to write something on a cruise ship based on that essay and uh, the John Ronson um, article lost at sea um, because it makes Mm. it seem like such a kind of uncanny, otherworldly mysterious um, space to be on. And I guess I would describe it as, yeah, as a kind of a a kind of cult like um, employee scheme set aboard a cruise. And so I was interested in kind of modern cultures of work. um, And I was thinking about this idea of, um, I, I was watching um a documentary about nexium the cult nexium um which i don't know if you're aware of um, and um the cult leader the cult leader, the the man who ran that was called keith i was very interested in the idea of a cult run by a man called keith because it seems such a kind on of un- mysterious um <laughs> name it's such a like um and um and i was interested in how that's kind of that's a cult that's run like a business and I was thinking about the idea that businesses are kind of increasingly run like cults and cults are increasingly run like businesses um and, and exploring kind of the liminal space in between um so um yeah the um the employees that work aboard um the odyssey um they all they all kind of have very little time off, they all rotate between different roles on the ship um, and they're all um, required to repeatedly um, prove their devotion to the project of cruise ship. Um, So yeah, I I wanted to explore this idea of kind of the modern workplace and feeling increasingly kind of cult-like and and demanding more and more and more of us and what that sort of does to our brains.
0: Yeah, Keith is kind of a culty name, I guess. do you think that these huge like mega businesses these days are, do they have like a cult like uh, culture by necessity? Do you think, I mean, can you work for one of these places or companies or cruise lines or what have you, and like just clock in and clock out and, and leave your job at work? Or do you have to be like fully invested, um, to advance your career these days?
1: Um, it's interesting. Cause I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, um, just the big companies or the big organizations that we might assume um, engage with these kind of cult-like employment practices. Um mm. I, I, mean, I was reading um, a lot about kind of Silicon Valley um, employment practices and that was where um, a lot of my ideas around um, kind of cult-like employees and mm. em- employers um, came from. So something that I was really interested in was um, at Netflix when you're being fired, they mm. call it being graduated, you're being graduated. Mm. Um, and I just, found that so interesting like well done you, you you've reached the sort of the top of your game there's nowhere else for you to go you're being graduated good luck out there um mm-hmm. but I think um I think these things are kind of really trickling down into every the kind of everyday working world um I mean in, in my last kind of um I, I've been freelance for quite a I, I was freelance for a while but before I was freelancing my last job I remember um the uh in my induction I, I was asked to repeat like we are insert employee employer's name like we are this we are this and um, mm-hmm. and i thought that was like a pretty horrifying thing to um demand of people who have just started working there um so i think it, it's not just the the kind of the big places i and, and i think just um what's required of you um and and you know there's no such thing as the kind of nine to five anymore mm. um that more and more devotion is is required of you i think um social media is is maybe plays a big part of that because um we kind of have to perform this identity of ourselves which um increasingly is our working selves mm. um and and so yeah it, it's just eating up more and more of who we are um, and that's what i was sort of interested in
0: yeah you you got to be on all the time and that it's kind of terrible in a way. Um, I try to tell people here, like the work-life balance, like you need to focus more on the life part. It's very important. Um, well, is your book modeled at all after Scientology's Sea org Um, it seems like it to me.
1: Yes, <laughs> that was, again, that was quite in the kind of early, early, um, thinking of the book, I was thinking about Sea Org um, and, and um, the idea of this sort of hermetically sealed um, space in which um, kind of anything goes. Um, but then as I, as I would, um, I mean, the initial emphasis was kind of more on cult-like practices. And um, but again, they, they sort of dropped away as I was redrafting the book. Um, and um I was thinking more about kind of just ordinary corporations and the sort of things that go on there, um, which I don't know. in many ways
0: it's horrifying um yeah mm. yeah is Scientology a corporation I guess is an interesting question well mm. uh <laughs> right um <laughs> listeners we're going to take a short break here for a word from our sponsor and I will be right back with Laura Williams the book and podcast is brought to you by Libro FM audiobooks. Libro.fm allows you to buy audiobooks directly through your favorite local independent bookstore like Explore Booksellers. You continue to put money back into your local economy and help local bookstores thrive. Please navigate to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your local independent bookstores in the process. I'm back with Laura Williams, author of The Odyssey, which is published by our friends at Zando Projects. Laura, on this ship in your book, there is a marine biologist who is brought in to give a talk, but that marine biologist is contractually obligated not to answer questions about sea levels or dying mollusks or coral outcrops or whales does this type of thing really happen laura and if so what does it say about the marine biologists and the like who agree to these terms
1: um i don't know if it um if it happens um it, it, that kind of candidly um that it, mm-hmm. i was i was quizzing lots of my friends that had been on cruises about their experiences on cruises mm-hmm. um and um it was one of my friends who who told me that she went on um, i think it was a canadian cruise um, and um, there was a there was a marine biologist um, like an onboard marine biologist who gave a series of lectures um and she was just quite interested in the idea of a marine biologist kind of talking about the devastating effect um, of cruise ships on <laughs> on um, um, the ocean and, and on the sea and um the kind of ecological impact, but she sort of was skirting around that, um, and, and she was sort of interested in the, yeah, in the kind of almost like disassociation of um, the people aboard the cruise ship who were all kind of clapping along and, and asking lots of questions, but obviously participating in something that has quite a devastating effect.
0: Yeah, I, I'm always interested uh, by science and then like the science that is driven by capitalism and, and where the line is there. Um, well, thank you, Laura. Uh, someone on this ship who works on a news desk, news about goings on on the ship, I suppose, says the only story people have are that they are rich and unhappy um why do you think this is are the people unhappy because they are rich or because they have a value system that leads them to spend their riches on commercial cruises
1: um the character that says that i think she's somebody that kind of um likes to hear herself say kind of creepy uh, things so i don't uh, know if she can be entirely trusted and um, i think that's maybe something a bit kind of trite about that sentiment like rich people are unhappy because they're rich but definitely the people aboard um the uh, the wa the ship um mm-hmm. it's it's more a, a kind of sense of decline and inertia and, and almost boredom um that i wanted to capture um so yeah i guess that kind of comes from um a feeling that they can kind of have anything that they they want um yeah and yeah necessary rewarding
0: <laughs> right on. Um, thank you, Laura. Um, back to Keith, culty Keith. Uh, can you please tell us about Keith? Uh, tell our listeners who haven't read your book yet about Keith. Who is Keith and why are people scrambling for his attention? And did he design his own money?
1: Um, so, Keith is kind of um, the implicit captain of the WA um
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and um I was kind of modeling him on um maybe like Silicon Valley CEOs I was watching lots Mm of um, interviews with Silicon Valley CEOs um and thinking about the kind of language they use a lot of the language is this kind of um sort of lifestyle wellness lifestyle language that's kind of you know I have to mine very hard very far beneath the surface to realize it's kind of fundamentally pretty empty. Um, So so Keith is is the sort of CEO slash captain of um, the WA, the cruise ship, Um, and he runs an employee mentorship scheme, uh, which is called the program, um, in which he selects, uh, I guess, the more malleable um, members of staff um, and and subjects them to various um, opportunities to prove their devotion to to the uh, cruise ship, the project. Um, which is quite an abstract project. He doesn't really know what he's he's doing.
0: Yeah, and um, the design of his own money, is this something that is uh, on there with like symbolism inherent in the, the currency or, or what's going on there?
1: Yeah, that, I think that was just like a sort of silly joke I put in about um, his his kind of narcissism that he's designed the kind of fake cruise ship money. One of the things I was interested in about the cruise ship was that everything is kind of pretending to be something and nothing's real. It's all artifice. So a pizza place is pretending to be a pizza place. It's not a real pizza place. A French restaurant is like a kind of, you know, Disneyland Epcot Center version of a French restaurant. Mm-hmm. Money is like child's money. It's pretend money. Um, and it has, a, it has a tiger on the front of the... Uh, and the cash and and he he says um yeah, it symbolizes power which i thought was just i don't know the kind of level of profundity he was capable of
0: yeah thank you and designing uh your own money is something a lot of folks are doing these days i guess uh cryptocurrencies yeah. etc whether it's a tiger or like a shiba inu dog or something um well thank you laura uh what is it that people find appealing about cruise ships, I highlighted a passage where you describe all of the amenities and attractions available to customers of a cruise ship. And I guess my question for some of these folks is why not just go to a shopping mall? Why pay a ridiculous amount of money to go to a shopping mall on water?
1: Um, I think um, there's a couple of interesting things. I've spent a lot of time thinking about um, being on a cruise. Um, I would love to be sent on a I'm imagining like somebody commissions me for like a kind of David Foster Wallace-esque essay. Um, yeah. in which, <laughs> but um, I guess the appeal of it is um, one of the things I was interested in writing it um, was customer service and the idea of what customer service means. And I think um, in England, maybe we have a very different sense of what customer service is um, than in America. In America, it's, uh, it's a lot more um, kind of hand up the customer service. It's a lot more kind of performed. Um, in England, it's kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, my family's from Poland. Um, mm-hmm. and um, I've spent a lot of time in Poland and there's kind of absolutely no sense of customer service whatsoever. So you go to a yeah. restaurant, the service job is to bring the food to you and put it in front of you. Like there, There's no kind of pandering. And I'm, I'm really interested in, in kind of different cultures of that um, because there's something I think quite infantilizing about kind of wanting customer service and... Um, um and and I think there's a lot that's infantilizing about a cruise you've kind of treated like a child or even like an actual baby in the way that you're sort of pampered and and sort of seeking out these experiences in which you can kind of return to this sort of swaddled state in which everything is given to you um and which you're just kind of submissive submitting to to the experience um so yeah I was interested in another theme I was kind of interested in was in kind of ways we maybe out experiences of um, kind of oblivion. And I think on both sides of, um, of the people working there, they're kind of seeking a kind of oblivion through work. Um, and the people who are visiting on the cruise, they're kind of seeking a kind of oblivion through luxury experiences and, and being kind of pampered and, and pandered to. Um, yeah, but it's, it also sounds extremely appealing to me. Um, I would love to be um, yeah treated like a baby in the manner of a, a cruise ship.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, uh, being treated like a baby and infantilizing things, um, Ingrid plays a game called families, uh, with her friends, Ezra and Mia. Uh, what's going on here? What, what is this game? If you can describe it for our listeners and why do they play it?
1: Um, so, um, I was originally thinking about, um, the kind of quite brutal working world of the cruise ship, um, and I was thinking there needed to be maybe an extreme act of tenderness um, that, that um, the employees engage with in order to kind of offset um, the kind of brutal world of um, their work. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I really like books in which um, like a small group of people, usually in quite a claustrophobic, claustrophobic environment, engage in a kind of semi-perverse, weird game. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, things like The Dreamers or um like flowers in the attic <laughs> um, or cement garden and, um, and I was th- I was sort of thinking about those situations and they are in these claustrophobic environments in which they kind of there's a found family in which the people you work with become your family, they're the people you spend all your time with you're in these tiny little cabins um, and so it, it kind of seemed to me that they might seek um, a similar kind of infantilizing experience in which they kind of take it in turns to be the, the baby um, and, and switch out the roles of mum and dad. Um, I also was kind of, I guess, in a kind of, kind of silly way, making a comment on um, how family is, is kind of increasingly um, uh, hard to, to, to imagine yourself getting for um, kind of maybe for my generation or like generations below me. Um, you know, it, it seems quite inaccessible. Um, so, um, and, and it is for the people on the cruise ship.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Well, uh, Laura, our time here is running short. This is potentially going to be my book of the year. Uh, Again, the writing is spectacular. The subject matter is fascinating, a perfect combination. Uh, What I want to ask you about before we wrap up is what happens to our protagonist, Ingrid, when she gets a land pass and gets to leave the ship temporarily?
1: Um, so I, I like the idea of um, that um, Ingrid kind of feels more um, more comfortable, more safe at sea, and more sort of at sea on land. Um, and she she hasn't got the kind of oblivion of the working world. Suddenly she's set free. She's her kind of own agent, um, navigating navigating um, the world. Um, and um, so she just gets extremely drunk <laughs> in order to um, kind of cope with that. And um, she's also sort of escaping things from her past and her coping mechanism um, was drinking then. So she's, she, she sort of, yeah, she, she just gets extremely drunk um, and um, is kind of battered around by the world a bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Laura. And thank you for writing this wonderful book. It is available to our listeners right now and uh, by the time this podcast airs i will have already put this book in many many hands listeners i've been speaking with laura williams author of the odyssey which is published by our friends at zando projects laura thank you so much for joining me
1: thank you so much it was really interesting to talk. About it.
0: Once again, I would like to thank Laura Williams for joining me. Copies of The Odyssey can be purchased from www.explorebooksellers.com. I would also like to thank our sponsor Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jefferies and this has been Bookin'.